Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the annual plan and also to download a training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. So if you're like many companies, when your vendor team receives a change of banking, before making that banking change, a team member is confirming the change with the vendor. Or are they? Or is it a valid confirmation? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 195, Two Truths That Break Your False Sense of Security with that vendor confirmation phone call. And what can help? So if you've been a listener of this podcast, or maybe you've attended some of my webinars, or maybe read some of my blog posts, you already know I am not a big fan of that vendor confirmation phone call being the, you know, one and truly and only and, you know, savior of the fraudulent payment being made because a fraudster sent a request to change banking details. There are some issues with it. And even at the beginning of the pandemic last year, I uh, recorded or posted a podcast episode. It was episode 75. And the title was Working Remotely, Confirming Your Vendor Changes When You Can't Make That Phone Call. And I did that because there were many vendors just the same way you guys were uh, abruptly went home. So did your vendors. And you guys didn't have access to your company phone systems. At least some of you didn't. Neither did your vendors. And so making that phone call became uh, much harder. And so I identified some authentication techniques uh, that you could use to replace that phone call. And I still like those better when I'm working with the client to revise their vendor onboarding and change uh, policy. I always build in additional internal controls and authentication techniques to get rid of that phone call. Sometimes uh, their leadership will approve it. Sometimes they won't. But today, I want to talk about a couple of reasons why I don't like that phone call and why you should not have that sense of security just because it is in place. And these are just two that I have seen, but there are probably other issues uh, out there as well. So let's get into the first one. 
So you get a change of banking or your team receives a banking change uh, via email for that vendor. And so the next step is to go ahead and make that vendor confirmation phone call. Now you might do some things in the interim, right? Check the vendor master file, make sure it's an accurate vendor, make sure they have what is required to change uh, the vendor banking information, and then comes the phone call. Problem is, is that the team members are not making those phone calls. Now this could be for a variety of reasons. One, and I think this is the biggest reason, is that when they make the phone call, the vendors are not there, That especially that initial call, they're not there. And so they don't answer or uh, they don't return uh, a phone call when a message is left. And so the team members don't get anywhere. It could seem like a waste of their time, especially if you do not include uh, the confirmation phone call as part of their productivity for the day. I remember when I was still a practitioner, we had a quota, especially around busy times, of how many requests needed to be co- uh, completed in a day. And I will tell you this, I did not include that phone call Uh, confirmation phone call to the vendor in that productivity uh, quota. And so they, those team members probably felt like they were wasting their time contacting those vendors. And by the way, that was before COVID. So it doesn't, you know, the whole vendor not picking up thing is not necessarily new. It was just made worse by the pandemic. And depending on the types of vendors that you have, this could be less of a problem or more of a problem. But if the types of vendors that you have are vendors that are maybe in that first tax classification, right, the sole proprietor, individual, single member LLC, they're getting phone calls, fraudulent phone calls, robocalls all day long because I do too. And they're just not picking up the phone. Why, why would they? What would be nice, though, is if you leave a message and they call you back. Sometimes they may, sometimes they may not. My point with this is that the team members are making these phone calls. The vendors rarely pick up on the first try. And so it may seem like a futile effort in calling these vendors. And that's assuming that the team members call them at all. So what I've also seen with working with clients is that team members get busy and they just don't make that phone call. And I don't know if that is because what they received and how they received it and the email address that they maybe received it from seems legitimate enough and they don't feel they have to, or they are just busy and forget and update the vendor record anyway, or maybe they updated the vendor record first and then they plan on making the phone call, but then they get busy. So it's not a given that just because that phone call is in place, that is actually going to be made. So team members, I see it all the time, are not consistently making that phone call. Now, the second truth is that when the vendor is reached, so let's say the team member does make the phone call, the vendor or someone at the vendor's place of business actually picks up, then the way that they are confirming it 
really is not valid. So what I see more often than than not is when the team member reaches the vendor or someone at the vendor's place of business, the team member will then give the details of the banking information and ask the person on the phone to confirm that the banking is correct. So they may ask them or tell them that they've had a request for change of banking, and then they'll give the banking information and ask the team member to confirm it's correct. So problems with that is that the team member or the contact that has been reached at the vendor's place of business does not necessarily mean that that's the person that needs to confirm that the banking is correct or that the banking was requested to be changed. But they do know that they want to get paid next payday and maybe they even know that the banking information was changed but they don't necessarily know what those uh, what that banking information change too. And so they can assume that since it's coming from a known buyer that they do business with, that they have invoices outstanding for. And so they go ahead and they confirm the banking information. Now you may think that's a little bit far-fetched, but I have talked with AP teams where that has happened, especially when you didn't have their contact information on file and we're always told, right, the best thing is to use the information you have on file. And if you don't have uh, the existing vendor's information on file, then to go out to the internet, go to the website and grab it. And at that point, you don't necessarily know who the right person is that needs to confirm. And in some cases, the process isn't followed where the team member that's making the phone call needs to use what's on the vendor record or go out to the website and use that. They will use what came in the email. And so when they contact the fraudster to confirm the banking details and then turn around and give them the banking details, of course, they are absolutely going to say yes. And so that confirmation phone call really at this point is a false sense of security because either one, the team members are not making that phone call, or at least they're not continuing until they reach the vendor. Or when they do reach the vendor, they are not doing a true validation because they are giving the banking details to either whomever has answered the phone that they don't know or whomever they've been routed to if they don't have that information, the contact information on file. Now, that being said, I would like to say I have seen where it works very well. I actually received a confirmation phone call related to adding banking because I was a new vendor and I really liked what was uh, said when that person called. They knew me by name, right, because I was the vendor and so they asked for me and then to put me at ease, they indicated, uh, mentioned the person that I was dealing with 
And then they asked me to confirm uh, my banking details. Now, I still was a little anxious because I didn't expect, I didn't know that was going to happen, but I was uh, made to feel more comfortable because they knew who my contact was. But I was still a bit anxious because uh, I was asked to give my entire uh, banking details, the routing number and the bank account number. Again, it was still a little bit disconcerting, made me anxious because I just was not expecting a confirmation phone call to have a vendor added. But I have come across a couple of uh, AP vendor teams that do that. And I don't think it's anything necessarily wrong with it. And it's much better than uh, calling me and giving me my banking details, which I like. But there were a couple of things that I suggested that would help. And those two things are what I am talking about today that can help you and your team members uh, increase that sense of security related to making that phone call and that actual confirmation. So the first thing is have a confirmation log. Again, these vendors are not always answering, probably less than less than you think, are not always answering those phone calls on the first call. And so you do need to document the attempts, especially if you have multiple team members making those phone calls because they need to know who was called, who still needs to be called. And you also need to document when it's successful. So what I suggest is that you have a confirmation log and on that log, you include the vendor ID, you include the vendor name, you include the contact person that you call, the day, date and time that you contacted them and then have a column to identify the status. So whether it's completed or not, and then also have comments in there as well. Now, what I recommend is that for every different contact that you reach out to just have that as a different line. You'll still have the same vendor ID and vendor name. So you know it is, uh, you'll know it's the same um, request that you're calling on, uh, but it'll be different lines because it's different um, people that are being contacted. Now, I do understand that people can falsify the confirmation log Nothing is 100%, but this does uh, give you the ability to monitor it when it is completed. And then I also recommend that this be included in an audit process. And again, if you've been on, you know, uh, listening to my podcast episodes, uh, blog posts, webinars, I talk about, oh, and even my uh, vendor master file tip of the week on YouTube that I've been doing for about a year now, I recommend that a vendor process audit be done. And in that audit process, if there is a vendor bank change, then the confirmation log needs to be reviewed. And by the way, you can also do that with additional internal controls before the pay cycle goes out to have steps to maybe pull invoices where vendors have had recent bank changes and then make sure that the requirements were followed or it could be part of the approval process. I know some of you have vendor changes or an approval 
when there is a, an added vendor to the ERP or there is a change, it was an approval step. And in that approval step, check that confirmation log. And generally or typically, if team members know that they are going to be audited on their process, first of all, you have to have a documented, so hopefully you do. But if they know they're going to be audited on that process, they are more likely to follow it than not. Okay, so that was uh, how to help to make sure that team members are actually making that phone call. Now, what can help with the other truth, and that's when the vendor is reached, it's not really a true or valid confirmation, is to provide your team members with scripts. So it's better to have a script so that you can control what the team member is saying and the team member feels more comfortable contacting the vendor. Now, I typically have a script for when someone is reached. And within that script, uh, script, I do have language for when the wrong person is reached because maybe they will say that they are not the person that needs to confirm the banking because we're asking that question in the script before we even get to it. And then I also have included in the script verbiage for voicemail. Now within that verbiage, I do have how the team member should confirm banking. So for example, if they are confirming new bank setup, like a new vendor and you're confirming the banking for the new vendor, again, not everyone does that. I've had a couple clients do that. Then I have a uh, separate type of verbiage for that versus verbiage for if they are changing banking. So I have, if the vendor is changing banking and you have reached the right person, you're actually going to ask for the existing banking. And I only ask for the last four digits of the existing bank account number and the last four digits of the routing number, if you like. It could just be the bank account number. And then once they get that right, I ask for the last uh, four digits of the routing number and last four digits of the bank account number of the new uh, banking. And so what that does is it one still authenticates or includes authenticating information, which is the existing banking, right? Because if they don't have the existing banking, then they shouldn't have the authority to change it. And if the person that you're talking to does not have that, then you're just talking to the wrong contact. And again, I do have verbiage for what they can say when that happens so they can get to the right person. Now, if it's a new banking setup, if you choose to call for new bank or for new vendors that have banking, I would just ask for the last four digits of the tax ID or some other uh, piece of authenticating data like that. And only asking for the last four digits, but also being thorough if it's a change and asking for the last four digits of the old banking uh, really puts the doesn't cause, let's put it this way, it doesn't cause as much anxiousness with your vendors with someone just calling and, you know, asking them their banking, their full banking information. Also, the whole script itself eliminates the thought process of just telling uh, the person that you called 
what that banking that you received is. And so this follows my authentication process. If you guys have, you know, listened to other podcasts, uh, attended my webinars, read my blogs, uh, watch some of my videos on Vendor Master File Tip of the Week on YouTube, you know that within that authentication process, I identify things that can only be confirmed and uh, things that they can provide. And banking and tax ID is considered sensitive personal information for the vendor. And so that is never revealed, even when you are calling the vendor to confirm a bank change or a vendor ad with banking. All right. So I hope that helped to learn what some other companies or accounts payable vendor teams uh, are experiencing. And with that vendor confirmation phone call, and then what you can do to ensure that it doesn't happen to your company. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 195th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.